podcast, TAF Talks. Why are we doing TAF Talks? Because we want you and everyone out there to learn about networking and building your career. And we want you to do it here in Kern County. We have wonderful organizations that have terrific jobs. And you may not know about all of them. And what we want to do with our TAF Talks is share with you and let you know because we have found that what you listen to today and what you take in today will definitely set you up in your life. It will be where you go and where you will be in five years. Okay, everybody, welcome to our Taft Sea Talks today, sponsored and put on by the Taft College Foundation and Taft College Go Cougars. I just want to welcome everybody this morning and let you know that we do, at the bottom of your screen, there is a place that says chat. Please put your name in, and if you're a Taft College alum, let us know what year, and make sure your email address is in there because we have a... $100 Amazon gift card to give away as a special Christmas present at the end of our presentation, which should be about an hour. We're going to be a little flexible today because we have such a special guest with us, Dante Skernagia from the New England Patriots. We we want to go and we want to allow everybody at least to ask their questions, be part of the, the Zoom today. With that, I do want to thank my friend Janice Varner. I'm not sure if she's on yet, but I would have never had a chance to meet Dante without the introduction from Janice Varner, Janice Mattoon Varner, for those of you who may not uh, recognize her. She is from Taft and went to Taft College, so I want to thank her for that. I also want to introduce to you my student co-host today, and he's been helping us with our Taft Sea Talks, who is Joshua Vasquez, coming to us live from New York City because we are not on campus yet. So Joshua, thank you very much for being here today, and he will uh, speak and, uh, and help with the questions later in the Zoom. I also want to say we have another special guest today who is Greg Kerr, not only from KBAK, but also from ESPN Radio, who is going to speak some serious sports talk with Dante as we continue through the Zoom. And Greg, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much Absolutely. for being part of this. I guess where I want to begin with you, Dante, is why Taft College? In 1966, why Taft College? Yeah, I didn't... When I graduated from high school, I knew I was going to go to junior college. And so I could stay where we live. We live in East LA, Montebello. Or I had a chance to go up to Taft because one of my high school coaches had played there. And he knew Tom Harrell, who was the coach. And Tom was down in LA, you know, looking for players. And he came by Montebello and we had a nice visit. and he asked me to come up and try out up there. And um, and I thought that going to Taft or leaving LA would probably be a good thing for me. I wasn't a very good student in high school. And I thought it would, for me, it would be a great adventure because I had never traveled much. You know, I, and I also saw the brochure of Taft, which showed a bunch of palm trees and <laughs> a nice campus. And everybody said, man, that's, that's gonna be like Hawaii or somewhere, you know? <laughs> So I went, I went up there and wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be, but the football was everything I knew it was going to be. And ultimately for me, the school was everything that I needed at that point in my life. You know, the teachers were excellent. The classrooms were small. If, if you got lost going to class, you weren't trying there. <laughs> but, you know, I went through my year and a half there, I was able to be a better student and, you know, really get on course to do the thing that I wanted to do, and that was ultimately to get a degree from college and a teaching credential and hopefully be a high school football coach and teacher, and that's what I wanted. Well, well, it seems like after, after you left Taft College, was it, is this correct that you and a few teammates got earned scholarships from the California Western University, which is now Alliant University? You, a few other of your teammates and you went over there to go play football and finish school or how did that work we out did. for you? Yeah, we did. What happened was uh, we had a chance to go down there and look around and see the place. And and then we all ended up going, I think there were as many as four or five of us ultimately that went there. But, you know, I, you know, for full disclosure, none of us got scholarships. It was all oh, based no. on need. Oh. And uh, so 
you know, we had to, you know, depend on how much your family earned and all that, and that determined how much aid you were going to get. So that's, you know, that was the extent of it. We, if you went there, you were, you know, you wanted to continue to play football at a, at a small college level, um, at a, an amazing school right on the ocean, uh, and and it was and it was good football, and and I really I I loved it there, and you know, and I had, I had a great time there. It's where I met my wife. Oh, it is. It's where you yeah. met. I, I saw Susan this morning on on the Zoom. So Susan was going to school there as well. She was. She was. Uh, I was. She came in as a freshman uh, my senior year. Oh, very nice. That's that's a that's a that's an excellent excellent part of the story that I I certainly did not know. Is it true that you ended up? Well, I, I think this is true. You ended up staying and becoming a coach for a couple of years there, didn't you? Or going I to did. work? Yeah, what I did was I, uh, when I graduated, they said, hey, look, it, you know, you have another year uh, to do graduate work, which was to get a teaching credential. Hmm. Why don't you help us coach football? You can coach the offensive line, which is what I played there. And coincidentally, I ended up coaching a bunch of guys that I had just played with the year before. <laughs> I had two full-time coaches, and the rest of us had to be either graduate assistants. And that was really the only time I got a full tuition cost uh-huh. because I was coaching football there. So I did it for a year. I got my teaching credential. At that time in California, they froze all hiring for elementary and secondary school teachers because there were so many baby boomers that wanted to be teachers so they wouldn't hire anybody. Wow. So wow. I continued there for two more years doing the same thing. I coached the offensive line and got a master's degree. So, um, you know, there was, it was a great benefit in a lot of ways because um, I got my education, graduate education paid for. I got to coach football for three years. And then from there, I got on the journey to what ultimately ended up here. And you met your wife, Susan. <laughs> we did. Yeah. So when you when you left there, I know um, just from some of the others times we've talked you really thought you were going to be a history professor in life is that true your, your plan yeah I did I thought I would be I don't know if I would call myself a professor but <laughs> I was going to be a high school football coach and a teacher uh-huh. I had a history I had a double major in history and PE uh-huh. and uh, I say that because the outside of my home the guys that made a big impression on me through my formative years were our high school football coaches. They were really great coaches, and really good people. And uh, and I really wanted to be like them. So uh, if you could have told me, hey, you're gonna be a full-time teacher and coach at Montebello High School where I went to school, I would have been glad. I've been happy, okay, I got it. This is all I need to do here. But it, but amazingly, I never coached one day in, in, or taught one day in high school other than student <laughs> teaching. Just, that's 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 pretty much. amazing. I know that you served as a sergeant in the U, in the U.S. Marine Corp Reserve. I did. How did that How did that fold into this time period? Well, when I graduated from college, that's when the Vietnam War. I graduated in seventy, so Vietnam was winding down. Oh. So uh, I ended up uh, because I was going to get drafted. I decided, well, I'm going to go in the reserves and uh, fulfill the requirements that I had to fulfill. And so I ended up signing up with, uh, enlisting with a uh, a tank battalion in San Diego, which was the experience in itself. (laughs) So I, you know, I went to boot camp, went to infantry training, went to tank school, but that took six months. And then I uh, uh, did five and a half years as an active reserve. And ultimately became a sergeant in the in the Marine Reserves. Wow, that's incredible! Talk about perseverance. Wow. Now, when you came or, or, or during that time, was that a full time commitment to you, or were you also working and doing something else? No, I was continued uh, coaching, and yeah. you know, like I said, for my first three years, I was still in school doing graduate work, but I was in the Marine Reserves at that time, so. Oh, okay. My only obligation was a, a weekend summer, uh, a weekend uh, duty, uh, one month, every month, and then two weeks in the summer. So uh, it was good. It was good. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to take just a, a little sidebar on that. And just, I wanted to ask you about your family, if that's okay, because I know that your son has sort of fallen into your footsteps, I'll say. And he is, he is working for the Atlanta Falcons. Is that correct? Coaching? He does. Yep. He's, he went the smart route. He's <laughs> not a, an assistant coach. What he is, is he's the assistant to the head coach. So he has his hands in a lot of things, all football related. You know, he, he, he is in direct contact with the head coach every day. He does a lot of the administrative things that the head coach needs to get done in his absence. And so, you know, our son, we're really proud of him as we are of our daughter. And, um, you know, uh, he, has, he has a very uh, tough job and a very fulfilling job, and it's what he wants to do. And we're very proud of him. The only time that was tough was we played him in the Super Bowl four years ago. And that was one of those games, you know, he's over there on that side and I'm on my side. <sighs> no one was going to win that game. Not in my family. Oh, my we goodness. Won the, we won the game, which we did. You felt lousy because your son's on the other side oh. of line. And if you lose the game, you felt worse. I would have felt worse. I don't know if he'd have felt bad, as bad <laughs> as I did. But, uh, you know, it was a great, great honor to coach against them and and um and we're really proud of him oh well that's that's nice you think that he will uh, stay with them for a long time you think this is his career well you know he's, he's coaching yeah and uh, even though he doesn't coach he's tied to the head coach and the head coach was uh, let go after the fifth game this year so pretty much at mercy of the new guy that comes in or the organization and I know he loves the area that he lives in, which is about 40 miles north of Atlanta, right on a beautiful lake. And, um, you know, he'd like to stay there. So all you can do is hope. And if he doesn't, then he's back the bags and get going, find a job. <laughs> and but, was uh, he just, you just, you have a couple grandkids. He has a couple kids too. He has, he just had, he and his wife had our third grandchild in August. So uh, she's now four months old, and our daughter, who lives with us, has our two grandkids. Her two grandkids, her kids are two grand, other two grandkids, and they are 12 and 10. So they're in a virtual learning hybrid system. So for three days of the week, when they're with us, uh, they're hybrid. So there are ones here and ones in the other room, and I'm between the two of them and trying to do the best I can with the new math and all the rest of that stuff. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Taking a taking a little little leap back to Taft when you were there. What was it like? What was it like being in Taft in the 60s? Cuz I've I've been there working at Taft College for 11 years now. I did not know Taft be prior to that. So what what was your experience like there? I know you said classes were small, teachers were great. But how about the, yeah. the town? Did, were you involved in the city part at all? All right, so two things that come to my mind. You know, I told you that the classes were small because the college was small. I went to a high school that had 3,800 students. Wow. And, and it was a three-year high school. So to go to Taft, like I said, I mean, it was just a matter of a few buildings. If, if you didn't do well there, you just weren't trying. <laughs> so that was the school part of it. And, and it, like I said, it was great. And I liken the city of Taft, the lifestyle in Taft. You ever seen the movie American Graffiti? Where yeah. everybody drives up and down the street and, you know, between this place and that place. Well, when I was there, it was Tasty Freeze on one end and AMW on the other end. It was just like an endless parade up and down the street every Friday and Saturday night. And uh, that was Taft. Wow. You know, one movie theater. We never went to Bakersfield or any of that. We just hung out there. We're, you know, students and then college kids just like everybody else has gone there. <coughs> wow. Not sure if, if I told you this already, Dante, but in 2022, Taft will launch into a 100-year celebration. We're really excited about, well, we're hopeful that we can all gather together at this time and get together and maybe do some fun events. And I know that maybe you and I had spoke about maybe you coming out just to, depending. I would, my hope 
is that can have a, a Super Bowl day <laughs> basically at Taft College and, and bring you back and op open, open it up to the community and allow them to hear from you. My hope is that we can uh, ask the high school if we can use their football facility and maybe do something really special. I know there's no promises because we really don't know what tomorrow looks like, but that would be my hope that we could yeah, do something really like fun. that in the future. I would really look forward to doing something like that. You know, one other thing about Taft is uh, there was a movie a few, well, it was a number of years ago, it was called The Best of Times with yes. Robin, uh, Robin Williams. Williams. Robin Williams, yeah. thank you, and Kurt Russell. Yep. And coincidentally, the extras, many of them were ex-football players. I knew about three or four of those guys. One of them was Bill Mayerall, who went to my high school on the Bellow High School and also went to Taft. Oh. So we used to get the biggest kick when that movie would come on saying, hey, that's where we went to junior college. That's Taft right there, you know, and, and it, was, it was a really nice thing. Yeah, a lot, those posters are hanging in at the chamber. They're, that is a very yeah. fond memory for this this town, and it's fun to hear your memory. Everyone seems to have some little connection to it, or somebody that might have been in it. But it's a it's it's a fond memory for for this town. It's nice to see that you have one a memory, a really great one too. I you know I ask you, do do you stay in touch with any other teammates? Are you? You know, I really do. Um, yeah. The guys from New York, I've always, and because they're so close to yeah. us, um, you know, I keep in contact with them quite a bit. Um, uh, as far as the other guys that I went to school with, not so much, because we were all from so many different places. And, but, you know, any time one of their names would pop up, um, you know, you know, hey, I know that guy. And, and I always, uh, I always, really like that. I cherish that one that does happen. Oh, well, you've got a couple on here today and we're going to take a few questions from them later, but, and I'll turn this over to Greg in just a few minutes, but I wanted to say to you that I, this morning, I was looking through some videos and they had done a tribute video for you when you retired from the Patriots and the article was incredible. And I just want to read something that I thought was very cool because Bill Belichick said, it was a privilege to coach with Dante for so long. I knew that long before this initial retirement and throughout a second act of continued excellence, Dante is among the very best assistant coaches ever. And, you know, that's quite an honor. And when I watched your video, it just, what resonated with me is, your education, your commitment, you stay humble. And the players all said, he's not going to mix words with you. He's going to tell you exactly how he feels, but he's the best coach ever because he just is authentic with you and you can learn from him. And again and again, everyone in that video thanked you wholeheartedly and said that he's the best coach ever because he tells us like it is. And I appreciate that. It's sometimes hard to be like that, but I feel that people will persevere if you let them know where they stand and how they can improve. You know, you're just an impressive, impressive man. I feel humbled and honored to have been able to talk to you this morning and to know you and or to getting getting to know you a little bit better for sure. I know that Greg has some questions for you. He's sort of gonna take the sports side of this and I'll turn it over to him now. You all know Greg Kerr. Dante, thank you, my friend. Thank you very much, and thank, thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Thank that, you for your kind words. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Greg Kerr, I'll turn it over to you now. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, Dante, it's uh, great to share time with you again. I want to uh, jump on what was just mentioned in regard to the uh, many stories that have been told about you. Yesterday, of course, shared time with you and Stephen Neal in the interview, and Stephen said very much the same things you just heard, that uh, Dante was a straightforward guy who just molded you and told you how to do it the right way. And what a fabulous coach. And I think Stephen is on board here today. So, uh, you know, just to echo those sentiments that so many players, and one that we know particularly in Bakersfield, about Dante as a coach and as a person. Dante, I'd like to go back to Taft and start there first of all as well and ask you not about the town, but about the culture as Tom Harrell is your coach 
and the culture of Taft College football at that time? Well, um, Coach Harrow was really a no-nonsense guy, and, and you know, he, he very quickly, he, he had a great reputation. He played at the University of Texas. He wasn't a very big man, but he was a lineman, and, and um, you know, he, he was just very direct in everything he said, and very, very matter-of-factly would just tell you, you know, this is what we have to do, this is how we have to do it. And I've often said that whatever you are, whatever you ultimately end up being, you know, you're a byproduct of so many others and the wisdom and the things that you pick up along the way. And, you know, and I would, I would probably say without any doubt, that, you know, the way Coach Harrell was, I, 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 don't, I never tried to be like anybody that I ever had coached with and had admired. But I have taken bits and pieces from all of them. And Coach Harrell, you know, his very dry, very direct approach, I thought something, I thought that was really, really impressive. And when you take all of those really incredible athletes, and I'm not going to put myself in that group, that we had on our team from all around the United States, most amazing players, and to be able to get those guys to do the things that he wanted them to do and the way he wanted them done, you know, it's a great tribute to him as a coach, and that's why he was such a successful coach. Well, as you had mentioned, you had designed to be a – am I getting feedback here? Is everybody yeah. okay? Yeah. A little feedback. Okay. Uh, you had uh, mentioned that you wanted to be a history teacher and a coach. When did you know you had the coaching bug? When did you know this was something you wanted to pursue? You know, I, I, I trace it back to when I was around 12 years old. And, uh, every day after school, I would go over to the local elementary school. And, and after, after junior high school or elementary school myself, and we'd go over there. And there was this guy who was a, like a college student. Everybody called him Red because he had red hair. Uh, but he would open up the playground and he organized games for everybody. You know, it was football season, it was football, basketball baseball, everything. And I I would go over there every day because you could do that in California. Right now you couldn't play nothing outside. There's so much snow on the ground. <laughs> but uh, we went, we would go over there and I really, I thought to myself, man, this guy's got the greatest job in the world. You know, every day he gets to come out here and do this. And then as I got into organized football and in particular, I, I said, you know, this is this is what I want to do. You know, I want to be like these guys, and, and you know, try to, to do it as well as they do it. And I'll take that back to Pop Warner, and then obviously into high school for me. But I, I knew at a really early, early age what I wanted to do. I think that for me personally, a great revelation came when I was student teaching, and I was student teaching history and PE, and I said to myself, you know. This, this history stuff is kind of like being a student again, you know, and I was about ready to shut that part of it down. So, um, because all you do, you know, you have to study. If you want to be a good teacher, you have to, you have to study the information and be able to give it to the kids as good as you can. And, and uh, I didn't want to, I didn't know if I wanted to do that as much as I wanted to be out there coaching sports and being outside. So, you know, I'd have done either one, believe me, but, um, uh, you know, for me personally, it was definitely coaching. But having said that, your interest in history, did you ever use that in your coaching? Did history ever help you in your coaching technique? You know, not so much. You know, uh, people talk about, you know, this great general and this great battle and, you know, and then try to, to integrate that with football. I never thought they were really that close. And uh, yet, yet, for us as a football team here with the Patriots, you know, we talked about this briefly yesterday, is that we try to, to be as, as uh, mixed, have the kind of the mix in every game that you need to have, and that's you need to run the ball effectively and pass the ball effectively and protect everything you do, you know, with additional play. So, example, if you, if you have a really great run, you want to protect that run with a play action off that action. So, you know, if some guys would look at that and say, well, that's kind of like a general in a battle. I don't you know. I never thought of it that way, but 
I could see I could see where you could get the comparison between the two. But I love history. I read about history all the time, and because um, I, I love to read. Outside of the position of quarterback, let's take quarterback off the table. I'm not saying all quarterbacks are smart, but they're certainly involved in every play call. Is offensive line the position where you have to really have the smartest players on the field when it comes to assignments? And did playing center yourself serve you well to become a coach? I think I think that my experience as a football player, you know, and what limited experience I had when you compare it to these guys at this level, but I think that it always helps, you know, and I think that, as I said before, the amount of um, knowledge that I was able to glean along the way relative to the really good coaches that I met and the coaches that I unashamedly mm-hmm. took things from relative to how they approached things, how they did things. I, I think that is all part of, of my personal makeup. But, um, you know, as, as far as, as all that goes, you know, it just you know, everything that I've learned along the way, I've tried to, in, you know, get into play as far as uh, me being a coach personally. <laughs> but again, back to the offensive line and the intelligence it takes to play those positions on the offensive line, making all the calls that a lot of people just think they're big guys that hit each other. But there's a lot of intelligence that goes into that, isn't there? There, re- there really is. You know, you have to not only know what you're – what the play is, but your assignment that goes in with it. A lot of communication things have to happen between all five linemen and call, uh, you know, add the backs and the tight ends into that. Um, and I've always said, and we talked about this yesterday, the number one thing for us is that, you know, we really need to have offensive linemen that uh, are smart guys. And I, I, and I, they don't have to be rocket scientists, but they have to be able to know what to do, how to do it, and make great decisions. So intelligence for us is really important. It's, if, and there's a test that we use in scouting, it's called the Wonderlick test, and, you know, and, and we use that. We use it as a barometer to determine, you know, what's acceptable for us. And we kind of use the score of 17 as a, as a, uh, as a landmark. If, if they're way below that, there's no way, they, they can't play here, it's just too hard. Uh, if they're way above it and they have, you know, good football sense, they can look at. There's a lot of guys that came out of Harvard and Yale that weren't very good football players because they, they didn't compute to, with them. But and then and then on the flip side of that, there's guys that came out of small schools and but had enough good intelligence to be able to understand and take it to the field and play the game the way it should be played. Steve Neal is one of those guys. He's a really smart kid, you know, and really was a good student and. Um, football made a lot of sense to him in time. It took a couple of years, but we got him out of it. I, 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 I don't know if it's fair if I ask. Do you remember Steve's Wonderlick score? We he never took the Wonderlick because he uh-huh. didn't. We never we never gave it to him. But you could tell he's he's smart guys. Yeah. When yeah. he got there, he was a little bit too smart. We had to <laughs> knock him down a notch. And Greg, <laughs> just so you know, uh, Stephen is on in case you want to ask him a question. He's yeah, on too. Steven, yeah. I, I guess in your case, maybe you didn't have to take it, but did you ever take a Wonderlick test, Stephen? Sorry, I'm I'm doing laundry, getting coffee right now. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I Scott Pioli had me take it, but he never told me what the score was. This was like three or four years after I was in there. Oh yeah, okay. I remember, Steve. It was forty. It was forty. The <laughs> highest you could get was fifty. You got forty. Oh, did I? I, I he never told me the the score. So might have been forty-four. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. You're, you're probably making that up. It's probably 18 or something. I don't know. If it was 18, done, it was good enough. Well, I hadn't done math for so many years because I'd been out of college for six years. So, well, that's a good. That's a good reason. I remember Gene Gene Murchkowski's like, "Don't take it. Don't take it. You don't need to take it." I'm like, "Why not take it?" So, <laughs> no. All right. Well, Dante, back back five times Super Bowl champion, and yet every athlete I've ever talked to at a high level coaches and or players remember the losses more than the wins and of course the one year New England went into the Super Bowl undefeated and came up short against the New York Giants does that one still stick with you and can you sort of discuss that a little bit well Greg I let that go a long time ago <laughs> good 
Good. <laughs> but to answer your question is the one thing that's unique about a Super Bowl, and honest to God, you know, Steve and I have been so blessed to be able to play in his case and coach in Super Bowls. I've coached in 10 Super Bowls. And wow. I, I wish I could tell you how I could ever explain that, and I can't. I've been unbelievably blessed. But in a Super Bowl, when you win, okay, it's like the greatest high that you could ever have in sports. And because they shoot off all this, uh, uh, what's that stuff? Uh, the confetti. confetti. That too. The <laughs> confetti, and they shoot it all in. If it's red, white, and blue, man, you're a happy person. But if it's the other team's colors, which I've been on the, the you know, the south side of that line five times, all you want to do is get off the field as fast as you can. And you do carry it with you for a period of time. But, you know, that's the game. And there's it's only one game and there's no tomorrow. So if you win it, it's an unbelievable high. If you lose it, it's the worst thing ever. And, you know, you maybe use it as an impetus to, you know, do better the next year. And we've done that before. So the losses are painful. You know, the wins are things you think quite a bit about. And, you know, I, I, you know, maybe through maturation process and being 72 years old, you know, I think about those losses, but they, they don't hurt as much as they did right after, believe me. Yeah. I, have, I have three more quick questions. One is, where are your five Super Bowl rings? They're in a safety deposit box at the bank. You don't, uh, I've never worn them. Oh, never. Nah. Okay. Okay. Too big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen them. Yeah. They are. They're too big and you, you can't put your hand in your pocket, you know, because they snag your pants. And <laughs> so what we do is, we honestly, what we do with them is when, uh, you know, the, when we have family come and, you know, and they want to see them, we get them out and we take a bunch of pictures or we, we have uh, helped raise money with them, you know, for uh, charitable organizations that, you know, want to auction off a, a day to have a Super Bowl ring and try it on and try all five of them on. And, yeah. uh, I might have to take you up on that, Dante. <laughs> How about that? We'll do it. We'll yeah. do it. But, right. uh, but that, you know, to answer your question, yes, that's where they are. All right. Final two questions. Tell us something about Bill Belichick that most of us don't know. Well, uh, that's a, you know, he's, he's a football driven guy. And, um, you know, there's, it's just what you see is what you get in the guy, you know, you can be walking down a hallway and he's walking the, the opposite direction coming right at you. And he's got his head down looking at the ground and thinking, and, you're like two ships passing in the night. <laughs> you don't say hi. He's probably not going to say hi to you. You know, that's Bill. And But I would tell you this. There's no easier guy to work for in this world than he is because he tells you exactly what's expected of you. Hmm. And he tells you exactly how he wants things done. And it's that easy, Greg. It really is. If you do and you give him what he wants, all right, which is fair because he's the boss, um, you're not going to have any problems. But if you don't, you know, all hell's going to break loose and it get pretty tough. But I, I would say this, you know, those guys, those kind of guys, and Parcells was the same way. And, and when your leadership style is that, and there's, there's no doubt as to what this guy wants, I think it's an easy job, personally. And yet I would tell you this, too, you know, if it, he doesn't mind if you, you know, when he says something, says, hey, you know, I really like to try this and say, Bill, look, we tried that before. And, and here's why it didn't work out. And, and he'll he'll listen. And he'll say, oh, yeah, yeah. OK. All right. Never mind. You know, do something else. Yeah. But well, me, I think he's fair. Yeah. Let me piggyback off that. I asked that same question to Stephen Neal years ago. And he said a lot of people don't know Bill Belichick's a pretty funny guy. We we don't see that very often. Is he funny? Well, I I would I don't you know I mean it's not Shecky Green or anything like that. <laughs> Man, he's, all right, all you young people, he's an old comedian. All right, but he's uh uh he can say he'll say a lot of, he'll say a lot of things to the team, you know, and 
and you know he can have he's he'll he is open and to having fun a lot of times and he you know he'll let the characters in the room too some of those crazy players like a Matt Light or Mike Vrabel, those guys were unmerciful with, with Bill. I mean, they'd say stuff that you never thought anyone could say to them. And <laughs> a lot of the young players way back on that one. But, you know, you know he's, he's a good guy. Yeah. And my final question, even though I could ask you stuff about Brady leaving and what it's like those two separate, I just want to ask the same question about Tom Brady. Tell us something about Tom Brady we may not know. Oh, man. Uh, he's, he's an unbelievable, unbelievable person. I think, you know, he, he cares about his teammates. Uh, he cares about people. Um, uh, if you, i he's never, ever turned me down. And if I asked him, Hey, Tom, will you autograph this football? It's for a fundraiser at Montebello high school mm. book it. I mean, he'll just do anything, you know, and he, and he does it for everybody. He's just a great, great guy and a great person and a pleasure to be around. Believe me, you know, it, and you had that guy on your sideline. You, you know, we, we were all blessed for a long time, 20 years to, to be around that guy. Yeah. Well, I, I know, Dante, I've heard it. and I, I hear it from you. You're a very humble guy. But when a lot of people talk about coaches, they always talk about coordinators this and coordinators that. And when you hear a position coach get mentioned as often as you do, you're one of the greatest that have done that job at the offensive line, and you should be commended. I know you're probably the last guy to take a bow for that kind of thing, but when I hear broadcasters or players talk about position coaches, and when it comes to O-line coaches, your name is there at the top of the list almost every time, and you're to be commended for the, the career and the life that you've had. Well, uh, thank you really for your kind words. But I would tell you this, if you coach this position, really, if you coach any position in sports, you quickly learn the distance between the penthouse and the outhouse isn't very far. (laughs) And I've been in the penthouse and I've been in that outhouse. And I think that, you know, you you can go into any game and say, man, we're really good and we can, we're going to beat these guys. And you come out on that, on the back end of one of those and you just say, what a dummy. So it does keep you humble in a lot of ways, and, and, and rightfully so, and I embrace all that. Well, I, I know this. If you're married, it's easy to stay humble because you got somebody there. Yeah. <laughs> Take care of that. Thank you. Okay, we, we, we are done on my end. Thank you so much for your time, Dante. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. That was wonderful. Dante, thank you for sharing all of that with us. That was good, good information. And... I am very pleased at this point to introduce to you our ASO president from Taft College. His name is Joshua Vasquez. As I told you, he's coming to us live from New York, a student at Taft College that is excelling in business administration. And I know that there will be great things that we see this young man do. He's a very impressive young man. He has been studying you, Dante, because, you know, I think He's, 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 he's of the younger age, and he, he wanted to just speak a little bit with you, to you, about you, and I'm going to give him a moment to do that now. But also, if you're on the Zoom, please put questions into the chat room. He'll take those later for, for Dante. But Joshua, I'm going to turn this over to you. Jerry, thank you for that uh, great introduction. And uh, Dante, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, for me, it's really an honor to get to interview probably our college's most well-known alumni. And uh, I have a few questions that I'd like to ask you. And I also ask that anybody in the audience to leave their questions in the chat. And uh, Mejia will will put it in the document so I'll be able to read them to Dante. But uh, Dante, my first question is, I was reading an interview that you did with Radio.com. And Bill Belichick said that you were among the very best assistant coaches ever. However, as you were telling us, your initial inspirations were more modest. You wanted to be a high school football coach and a history teacher. Where along the road did you realize that you had it in you to be able to coach at the highest level in football? I think that's really a great question. I. I honestly had no 
no intentions of, I never thought I would coach in college other than the three years I coached at Cal Western and um, let alone the NFL. And uh, because, you know, honestly, my background was such, you know, I went to, I went to a big high school in, in East LA and, um, and then, you know, junior college and then a small college. And you just think, okay, you know, my niche is here. This is where I'm, I'm going to get pushed into. I'm going to be a high school coach. And I was fine with that. And so I had a chance to go to Iowa State uh, as a, honestly, as a walk-on coach. Hmm. So I helped coach the freshman team. And for that first season, I was paid $300. And you say, well, how did you live? Well, I worked at the Holiday Inn as a janitor and I coached football during the day. And my girlfriend, my wife, when we went together and she was a bartender. She was making a lot more money at the Holiday Inn than I was making. I was a janitor. So what I learned was to get to the point that you asked is, so I went in there and I was with a bunch of guys, or I was, I was with other young coaches who were graduate assistants and uh, who had gone to big, big schools, Ohio State, and Tampa, and all these great, great schools. And uh, as I was working with them, I, I, I honestly got to thinking, you know, I said, you know, these guys, I know they played at bigger schools, but, you know, who, how do you know who's a better coach or who's going to work harder? And, and how do you know? You just can't just acquiesce to them and say they're going to get all the jobs. And so whatever it is that, that drives us all, and we all have that internal fire that you know burns inside, just says, hey, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to see if I can make this thing happen. Hmm. And so I started, I coached, and then stayed in college for another nine years. And then I had a chance to go to New England because our head coach with SMU, which was my last college job, got the head job at SMU, and they asked me if I wanted to go. And I'm thinking, holy mackerel, I never thought this would happen. So, and it did. So to your point, how does that happen? You know, we all roadmap our future. We always say, well, this is where I'm going to go, man. And we've all been taught this. I'm going to start here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. This is my way of getting to wherever it is I want it to be. And a lot of times that roadmap changes. And so you change and you, you adjust your goals and you go into other ways and other things and, you, and have higher aspirations for yourself. So when I came to the Patriots, I just said, holy mackerel, here I am here and I got to be the best coach I can be or I'm, I'm going to be long gone real fast. And so my my roadmap changed and my path changed from being a high school football coach and history teacher to something else and uh that's life and that that's those things happen to all of us so when they do happen and if they happen for the good then and you you know you just you grab it man and you go as hard as you can and if Hey, look, and I've been on the other side where it didn't go. I've been fired from three jobs in my <laughs> career. And so, you know, you pick up and you get another job and, you know, you work, keep working hard and try to make the best things happen for yourself to get the most out of this, out of this life that, we, that you can get. So maybe to uh, synthesize that response, would you... Um, tell the students watching and the top college students to work as hard as they can and to follow their passion. Absolutely. And I would, wouldn't put one caveat to that. I think, I honestly think this, Josh, that uh, people look at us, all of us, and they have, uh, and they formulate opinions of all of us. And they, they, you know, hey, we all, we do it as coaches. You know, a guy runs four nine in the 40, oh man, this guy's too slow. You know, he's not very tall. He's not very fast. You know, he's not very smart. And, but those are all labels. Maybe some of them are true, but you got to make them prove it. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's the most important thing. Make them prove everything. And because you can, you can go ahead and say, hey, well, I went to Taft College and, so I can't ever rise above this. Uh, I ain't buying that now. 
on. <laughs> I'm not buying that. We have all been blessed to be wherever it is we've been. And you make the most of that situation and you aspire, if it's inside of you, to something higher, if that's what you want. But, uh, you know, for people to label you and for people to look at you and say, you're only this good, don't let anybody put those limitations on you. Don't let, don't let people put those limitations on you. And more important, don't do it yourself. Don't put limitations on yourself. If you put limitations on yourself, that's as high as you'll go. Wow. And I, I, I think the most important thing is just aspire to the highest level possible. And that will only come, in my opinion, to a great amount of work and a lot of hard work and a lot of long hours. Thank you for that, Dante. I think that's something uh, a lot of people struggle with, the limitations that others put on them. Maybe growing up, they, for whatever reason, they didn't develop a certain amount of self-esteem and it keeps them from, from reaching their potential. But you're proof that uh, if you don't listen to those limitations, you can go farther than others could imagine. And I, I wanted to go back to what you said about Iowa State, that you were there as a, a walk-on coach and were only paid $300 and had a, a, a job at the Holiday Inn. It, it kind of seems like um, you didn't follow the money, you followed your passion. So maybe you, you could have earned more money elsewhere, and but you, you did what I guess you felt was fulfilling. And as students in college, we kind of, we have this, um, we're kind of torn sometimes. It's like, do, do I follow what, what makes me feel fulfilled? Or do I listen to my family and go for the highest amount of money? Uh, I wanted to ask, was your family on board with you doing this? Or did they fully support you um, pursuing being a football coach? Yeah, my folks did. Uh, I'll tell you an interesting story. It was, it was kind of, wasn't so interesting when it happened, but my girlfriend, now my wife of over 45 years, um, when I was, we were getting ready, my parents threw kind of a going away party for the two of us because we loaded up my VW bug and we were driving to Iowa. <laughs> and, uh, and so my future father-in-law, we weren't engaged or anything, but he said, well, you got this great job, you know, and he was a business. How much are you going to get paid? Uh, $300? $300? Yeah, $300. And uh, he had a, this pained look on his face. And I don't blame him. You know, I mean, you're taking his only daughter off to Iowa for a job you're getting $300 for, and, and you're, you know, you're betting that it'll turn into something better. And we were fortunate Joshua did. So, uh, but I think this, I think that whatever the things that move you, you know, money's great, man. I'm not lying to you, but you know, you have to look at things really, what's going to be, what's going to fulfill me? What's going to get me to where I want to be? And, um, you know, sometimes that is money. Sometimes it's both. It's the job, man, and the passion and, all the things that go along with it. So I just, I, I think you got to look at it and don't let that just be the only reason. Believe me, that should never just be the only reason. Thank you for that, Dante. That is, um, I'm kind of on that journey. I'm trying to find something I truly enjoy and I'm hoping that um, the money comes along with it. <laughs> but at least at this point, I'm kind of leaning more towards uh, as you said, following something that fulfills you rather than just puts money in your pocket. And uh, I wanted to ask you a question about your time in the military. You said that you served in the military and the Marine Corps as a, a service for six years. I was watching a video. Do you think that the military played a role in giving you the qualities that made for a successful football coach? I think that um, I think the discipline that you learn in boot camp. Look at I I, I had great parents and they taught me a lot about uh, how to do things, how to treat others, and how to be respectful for others. So I didn't 
there were a lot of guys that I went into boot camp with that did, weren't as blessed as I was blessed. And so they would say and do some of the dumbest wrong things you could ever imagine. And they had paid a great price for it too in boot camp. I mean, boot camp was a tough place. So, you know, I, I think that for me personally, I learned this, I learned to continue the process to grow as a person and to uh, function within a really tough uh, system and, and, and a tough lifestyle, the military lifestyle. And it did me a lot of good. And look, at you're all we're all part of everything we've done in our past. That's what brought us, every one of us right here on this screen is all here because of everything they've done in their past. So for me, that was just one part of it. Did I take some of those things and, you know, the discipline and the work ethic and all that stuff that I learned along with? Sure. But I had, you know, that, that came, that was just one part of it to a lot of other things that I learned at Taft and Cal Western and all the schools and, you know, that I was able to coach at. So that paid a huge, that, those, all those things pay huge dividends to you. If you look at them and analyze them and determine, well, these are the real reasons, that, you know, these are the truths. These are the things you really need to follow. Mm. Dante, the, the sophomores at Taft College have the chance to come back next school year since they weren't able to play this year during the pandemic. But some of them are deciding whether or not they, sh they should continue with the sport they love and stay at a junior college or transfer to a four-year school and not have the chance to play again. Uh, do you have any advice for these JUCO students that are taking like a really big decision in their life? Yeah, I think this, uh, if, if you love sports and if you love the things about sports that really fulfill you, I think you should play them as long as you can play them. I really do, you know? And again, it's just all part of the process. So, you know, there's plenty of students that go to college more than four years. You know, some go five, some go six, but uh, if you have a chance to play and, and you love it and it's your passion, then do it. It's just a half a year. Yeah. And yeah. you may never get that chance again. So I'm not telling anybody to do anything. I just know, you know, I don't play college football. If they had 20 year veterans. I'd, I'd probably have been one. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I just, that's the way, it, that's the way it was for me. I think um, when you're, when you're college age and you're 18, 19, 20, maybe we don't realize fully how long life is and, and uh, how many different phases we can have. So it, it kind of, uh, it hurts me a little like when, when um, student athletes are like, they're going to transfer and they're sad that they can't play the sports that they played since they were seven years old anymore. So, so you guys heard it from uh, from a living legend. <laughs> if uh, you have the chance to play, why not? And on that note, we're gonna go to the audience's questions. We have uh, Mark Staples, who is the city of Taft planning director. He asks. He says, Dante was an assistant to a wide array of head coaches from Raymond Berry to Bill Parcells to Belichick. What similarities or distinct differences were there between them and their way of managing you, Dante, as an assistant coach? And Dante, please notice that Mark has gone and changed his clothes. I saw him. Mark has is put on a- Is that a Gronk jersey? Yeah, yes. hell yeah. <laughs> Way to go. Um, you know, I, I think this, you know, Belichick and, and Parcells are very, very similar in a lot of ways. You know, Bill Belichick worked for Parcells at the Giants, and so they're really similar. But Raymond was completely different. Raymond was a ex longtime great Hall of Fame player, and, uh, you know, his way of doing things was a little, I would say, I use the word softer than Bill and Bill. But they were both, they're all very effective guys, you know, and which again, just goes to show you, there's really no way to rubber stamp this thing. And if you've got this guy's pedigree, this stamp, that it's gonna be any key for success, whatever it is, you gotta be yourself first. 
and a lot of people forget this, okay? We all get into positions that allow us maybe to springboard into the highest positions possible. Whatever it is that got you to that one position is a result of all those great qualities that you put together. And then when you get that ultimate job, why should you be anything else than what you are? And instead of trying to be like this guy over here or that guy over there, you, you've earned this job because of what you are. So take those qualities and use those qualities because they served you well for a long time. And the idea is you probably, you would hope that they would serve you well going forward. I think that's the most important thing, be yourself. Awesome. Mark had an additional question. He said, uh, speaking of limits and unique career paths, uh, what has made you, Dante? It says, I'm sorry, what has Dante made of unique players that Belichick would draft or trade for the likes of Stephen Neal or Chris Hogan or Julian Edelman and their conversion from either never playing football or playing a completely different sport or converting a quarterback to a wide receiver? Yeah, I. I think this, that all three of those guys that you mentioned were among the best guys I've ever been around. Really good people first, okay? Really hard workers, incredibly hard workers. Very smart guys, all three of them. And going back to what we talked about just a few minutes ago, they loved sports. They loved the game. Hogan was a lacrosse player. And he was a really good lacrosse player, okay? Played at Penn State, uh, transferred to uh, a school closer to his home in New Jersey. Um, and Steve was a national champion wrestler, but they, their passion that they had in one sport, they were able to transcend that to football. And they were amazing athletes, all three of them. And for them, the leap wasn't as hard a leap as you would imagine because they were so driven, their internal drive was so strong that, you know, they were, they were easily, they were easily guys that were going to succeed and, and did. So I, I believe that was our final question. Um, but before I pass the mic to Sherry, Dante, I'd just like to thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom with us as, um, as a student who's just starting to find his way, it uh, your story is very inspiring. And um, yes, yeah, thank you for being with us. I'll go ahead and pass the mic to Sherry. Thanks, Josh. Joshua, great job. Thank you so much. Great questions. Um, uh, we're gonna go a little over our 10 o'clock time today with permission from Dante. And we have a couple teammates <laughs> of Dante's on the show, and I think it would be really fun to hear from them. I'll start with Roger Tomasco. Roger? Yes, I'm here. Did you want to maybe say something to Dante? Yeah, I'll say a word or two. Uh, no questions, but just wanted to say that it was a sad day in 1968, January, when, when Dante left Taft. He was always great to have around in the uh, the cafeteria there at the college and you know he, he was just a great guy everybody liked him and it was a sad day when he left Taft and wasn't going to be around the cafeteria anymore and I was in a class or two with him I think but Dante's as great a guy as everybody has said this morning and everything Dante said about Taft in 1967-68 is correct he's cruising downtown and he forgot to mention about the quarterback club, which had dinners during the football season at the Elks Club, which is now the OT Steakhouse. And oh. it was, I think it was on like Thursday nights. And we would go there during the season and have dinners for the football team. The quarterback club sponsored the dinners. And it was a great time for all the players. And most of us were from out of town. And uh, it was... It was a great dinner compared to eating down at the Safeway. But uh, thank you for thank you for coming today, Dante. This is really great. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Roger. Thanks a lot for those kind words. I appreciate it. And uh, 
Safeway's Safeway was pretty good. You could go there and pick out a steak and the <laughs> yeah, I know it was you know, good. The meat department and they'd cook it for you and French yep. fries and it was not bad. Wow, yeah, it was pretty cool. Not yeah, bad. It was great. Roger Tomasco, thank you so much. Thank, thank we'll you. see you over in Pismo. If you haven't been to, to Tomasco's candy saltwater taffy store in Pismo, you I'm need to go. go. There. It's I'll great, be there great someday, food. Roger. All your friends come in, there Dante. I know. I got so many of them call me and tell me. Janice, is there something you'd like to say to Dante since you're on? You get to see him? Okay. Hey, my friend. There you go. Hi, Janice. Okay, so, um, hi, Dante. We're, we're Mimi's now. Both have the gray hair, but Dante <laughs> is probably one of the most humblest people on the planet. Um, he, we've got to visit in his home. Uh, just a quick story. One year we were back there and he has a second home. We were And we were going to go visit him. We got a little lost in Narragansett and we stopped a police officer to tell him we, the address or whose house we were going to. Didn't even have to give him the address. Went straight to Dante's house. Um, so I hadn't <laughs> seen Dante in 40 years. And here a police escort uh comes up to his house but um it was like good old half times just uh we picked up where we left off and he's been very kind over the years to accept my uh phone calls and my cards and thank you dante so much for sharing today with taft college you're welcome janice it's always good to see you and i'll look forward to seeing you and vernon the next time i really will oh me too very nice. Thank you, Janice. It looks like Gary got unmuted. Gary, are you there? Gary Saylor? Did it, did it come on? Yes, you're on. Oh, okay. Hey, Dante, how are you doing? Good, Gary. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Uh, I'm not too much tech smart, and I was, I was talking to <laughs> Sherry. I said, I need somebody here to help me, but uh, it's good to see somebody still looks young like I do. Uh, you're right. We both look about the same, buddy. Hey, I, I, I think I think I weigh more now than when I played, but uh, the, the weight kind of moved around to different spots. <laughs> we all got that problem. Well, you know, yeah. uh, I, I remember I was watching a, a, a Patriot game, and I didn't even think anything about it. I heard your name mentioned, and I thought, I know that guy, you know, and, and I didn't even know you were uh, uh, coaching in the professional ranks, but it was, I, I just couldn't believe. I said, I know that guy. <laughs> well, and I, I am so glad that uh, you, you had great success, and uh, it's, just, it's just great for Taft College, and... Uh, you know, because, you know, you can say somebody can come from a junior college and really excel, I think. I think you're right. Thank you very much for those kind words. I appreciate it. You know, uh, I still see a few of our players, not not too many. I think uh, there's a few of them that, that have left already and, uh, you know, uh, and like that. But uh, I will mention to a couple of them that, that I do see on occasion uh, that I got to talk to. I, I, I see Dan Benias once in a while, uh, Kenny Carlton from Shafter, and uh, Dick Morgan. I, I think he was, I'm not sure if he was from Las Vegas or not. But, I think he was uh, from Vegas. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. We all lost contact, I guess along the line but uh and like that but I, I think they all know you though now i mean your your uh your name is is quite quite notary notoriety and like that and sherry thank you for paying attention that i finally figured things out we <laughs> <laughs> the whole time you know and, 
Yeah. Well, Gary, Gary, thank you so much for being on today. Keep in mind that this will be produced again as a recording as well as a podcast for those people who just like listening and maybe walking with their headphones. I am amazed of how much more I feel like I know you now, Dante, and just appreciate, appreciate all the sharing that you did with us today. And this podcast, I know, will go out to a lot of students, although they aren't on today because today's the, the last day of the school year. Everyone's pretty much gone. Students are probably off and maybe tired of Zooming because they've been Zooming all their classes for the entire, since March. I know that Joshua is going to get your wonderful messages out to his friends in the ASO clubs, as well as the other students that he knows, which will enlighten them, inspire them. I know that you've done that for me, and I I hope everybody else feels that way as well. We would be open to any closing remarks you might have, Dante. Is there anything you would like to? I I want to thank everybody uh, that took part in this thing today. I really appreciate all you guys and taking the time to be on this. And, um, you know, Taft has a special place in my heart. Um, A year and a half there, met a lot of incredibly great people. A lot of great teammates and you know I'll never I'll never forget that never and um, <laughs> it was a great time and uh, I would like to come back there maybe Sherry as you suggested in 2022 and hopefully this damn virus will be out of the way and because uh, I like uh, you know yes. I love it there I'd like to come back and see everybody and thank you all so much for you know taking the time today and this is a real honor for me believe and a great honor for us. And I know everyone on here feels just as special as I do. I want to thank Greg Kerr. I want to thank uh, Joshua. Good job, Joshua. So glad that you're a Taft College student. Um, we do have one thing left to do, which is to give away our $100 Amazon gift card for someone to have a real special Christmas. <laughs> so, Mejia, I know you and Joshua probably have been... Uh, spinning the wheel to see who's going to win. Would you like to make that announcement, Joshua? Do you know? Yes. Uh, Mahela has texted me, and the winner of the $100 Amazon gift card is Mark Staples. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Mark. We, we appreciate your viewership and all of the audience for being with us today. And I think um, next semester we'll continue to have great events like this. Thank you, Dante. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Joshua. What we do is we sign off on Taft Sea Talks. That's a wrap. Go Cougars. We love you all. Thanks, Sherry. Merry Christmas, everybody. Bye, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on our Taft Talk podcast. Appreciate all of you out there. We want you to tell your friends about joining us. So tune back in and remember, what you listen to today will affect your future tomorrow.